0: Hello everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Amanda Balby, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. A new study published in the journal Multiple Sclerosis and Related Disorders demonstrated the utility of comprehensive neurological assessment and determined the association between neuroperformance tests, patient-reported outcome measures, and quantitative MRI measures in a large MS clinical cohort. Today I'm speaking with the lead author of the study, Dr. Marissa P. McGinley who is a neurologist at the Mellon Center for Multiple Sclerosis at the Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dr. McGinley. Let's dive into your study. To start, can you tell us more about your study and how it came about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think with neurology in general, we obviously take a comprehensive approach to evaluating our patients. And as, you know, science and medicine has advanced itself, we obviously have more tools in our armamentarium to use when diagnosing, treating, and monitoring patients, which definitely is the case in multiple sclerosis. So I think that as we develop more tools to monitor our patients, I think we realized as a field that we need to be a little bit more systematic about this and thinking about how to be more comprehensive in our like routine monitoring of our patients so that Included kind of thinking about the different domains that we want to use when monitoring our patients. And so that included neuroperformance testing. So classically in multiple sclerosis, we have, you know, our Neurologic exam, which is important in the field of neurology, but then we've had discrete tests that we use. And so things like the EDSS, which is kind of a disability measure that includes kind of a structured neurologic exam. And then from the EDSS, we realized that there were a couple of kind of gaps in what that measured. And so there was the development of the multiple sclerosis functional composite, which was kind of a battery of neuroperformance testing that included a time twenty-five foot walk, a contrast sensitivity, a um, cognitive processing speed test, the SDMT and a nine hole peg test for manual dexterity. And so we started using the MSFC a little bit more consistently at the Cleveland Clinic, but obviously that's very time intensive, so you know you have to have either the, you know, clinician or someone in intake doing these kind of battery of tests with a patient which can be difficult when you're trying to see a lot of patients in a day and so because of that we would you know get a time 25 walk on patients sometimes do a nine-hole peg test but we really weren't capturing consistently you know low contrast visual acuity or processing speed tests in a routine monitoring of patients and so with that the center started to think about well how can we do this in a more streamlined way and do it more consistently. And so that's when the um, multiple sclerosis performance tests were developed, which are iPad suite of tests that kind of are meant to mimic MSFC, but be based on the iPad. And then they're self-administered by patients. So any patient that's coming into the Melance that are getting routine kind of follow-up care for their MS does this iPad-based testing. And so that incorporated adaptations of the MSSC of those neuroperformance measures. But we realized that wasn't enough. So you know we're used to kind of doing those typical kind of assessments, but we also saw the importance of other things like uh, patient reported outcomes. And so there's also been kind of a whole, sweetened host of patient reported outcomes that have been developed for neurologic diseases and also MS specifically but again it was a matter of like routinely administering them to patients is not something that's been done they get used in clinical trials but not in our routine practice and so in addition to the iPad kind of neuroperformance testing we also incorporated the patient reported outcomes which included things like the Neuroqual which again developed for neurologic diseases in general, but validated in multiple sclerosis. And so patients do these patient reported outcomes in addition to these neuroperformance testing all on this iPad, along with some kind of basic questions about their MS in general. And so we started collecting this data of patients just every time they came into a routine visit. And then in addition to that, in the field of multiple sclerosis, obviously imaging is very important. We do MRIs in patients routinely on an annual basis, sometimes more frequently, and then kind of depends on the disease course. But again, MRI very important. Although we're doing it, we haven't really kind of analyzed it in a structured way. And so we started standardizing the reports at the Mellon Center to kind of, again, make it just a more structured approach that we could consistently follow on patients. And then in addition to that, we partnered with one of our collaborators on the study, Okunu Nakamura, to do more detailed assessments. So not only do we know MRI is important, but we've realized that there's more granular data that could be informative about the disease process and patients kind of overall status and progression. And so that's where the quantitative MRI came in, developing kind of a specific MRI analysis to look at various components of the MRI. And so we started trying again to just incorporate this on our patients in general. So all the patients in this study, it's just routine clinical care. So patients come in, get their MRIs as you know, generally scheduled and then they do these tests kind of at the, the intake process. And so we wanted to structure that and that was kind of the rationale is we want to structure this so that we're capturing this data and then we can follow people more consistently. And I think the, the issue is is that you know you have patients coming into your office saying, you know, I feel worse or I think my lock walking's a little bit worse or maybe I'm a little weaker here. Or I'm not sure about my vision or my memory's a little bit off. And so patients obviously have a lot of meaningful concerns when they're coming into the visit and we do our neurologic exams but they're not structured and so sometimes it's hard to compare things, and so having this kind of structured approach to assessing our patients, we have ways to compare things a little bit better was the rationale. We also just have data to share with patients, and so when they're coming into our office, we can look at their time 25 foot walks and say, oh, well, you know, you did it in five seconds a year ago and now you're doing it eight seconds and you were telling me that you're moving a little bit slower and so we have some data to kind of discuss with patients and so that was the rationale I think for developing sort of this comprehensive approach and like I said because there's been a lot in the field looking at all these individual measures and some of them in comparison our goal was to say well let's do all of them again in our clinical practice and look at the correlations between things and try to understand just at least cross sectionally how these things are contributing to our understanding of our patients overall functioning, disability status, that types of things. So I think that was sort of the rationale. And again, a lot of people had different roles in this when it came to the development of the neuroperformance testing, the MRIs and obviously the PROs. We have A great team here that really worked as a multidisciplinary approach to get this comprehensive evaluation of our patients.
0: Great. Now let's dive into your findings. What were the strongest clinical and MRI predictors of neuroperformance test results?
1: The way we looked at that, obviously we looked at things just cross-sectionally with our correlations and you can see you know, If you reference our paper in Figure 2, that's kind of the general correlations of the patient-reported outcomes and the neuroperformance testing. And so there's some logical things, for example, of walking speed test. Um, so our time 25-foot walk, the thing that correlated highest with that is the patient-reported Neuroqual lower extremity function. And so, there were some things that were quite logical in that respect, and you saw that obviously that correlated the highest, but then it correlated not as high with the, the processing speed test. And so, there were some kind of interesting things there, and then same with the MRI. You'll see that in kind of figure four, we look at some of the correlations between the quantitative MRI measures and the neuroperformance testings, and it varied depending on the test. So the highest correlation for the processing speed test was whole brain fraction. Again, uh, kind of makes sense to us, but then that was obviously not the highest thing for, for walking speed. The highest thing for walking speed was spinal cord area. So I think one of the biggest takeaways here, and this was sort of reiterated when we did our linear regression models, which were kind of predicting the outcomes of the various neuroperformance testing, is that when we look at all of these different measures, depending on the test, different things are of importance. Now there's things that always were significant predictors, but it varied depending on the measure. And so I think that the reason we want to comprehensively evaluate patients is depending on what patients are reporting as their, their disability or their issue, different things are going to quantify that better. So things like walking speed, we're getting better quantification with, you know, cord area and patient reported lower extremity function whereas processing speed things, you know, like the whole brain fraction are going to be more important for predicting that outcome and you know, again, things like age important for everything, but again there's going to be different things that are important for understanding that specific domain of disability.
0: Mhm, absolutely. One of your specific findings was that impaired performance on neuroperformance tests correlated with worse physical disability-related patient-reported outcome measures and MRI disease severity. How can these results inform clinical practice?
1: It's a good question you know, as I mentioned at the beginning, is it's not routine for us to do patient reported outcomes or quantitative MRI right now. You know, there has been a shift to doing, incorporating more patient reported outcomes, definitely at the Cleveland Clinic um, and other places, but it's still not kind of standard of care. And I think this study shows that those patient reported outcomes do kind of give you a handle on the domains and the areas that patients are really, having an issue with, and it's not just patients, you know, that's that's what they're reporting, it's also correlating to their physical function. And so I think that doing these patient-reported outcomes, and again, ours are done at the intake thing, and then we in, immediately have those results available to us during the visit. So when we're talking to patients and trying to figure out, hey, what's, what's going on, what are the main issues, I think that doing those patient-reported outcomes are helpful to kind of, gauge the issues that patients are, are feeling and again I think following these things long term will be helpful kind of understanding how symptoms and disability changes in patients so I think that it kind of confirms that the, the patient reported outcomes are really helpful and they also correlate highly with actual physical functioning and then from an MRI standpoint the same thing so I think that again we don't routinely do quantitative MRI and some of that is just because there's a lot of different ways to measure things and do that analysis and so there's not been a standardized approach yet and so that's what makes you know integrating this into clinical practice a little bit harder but as you know quantitative MRI becomes a little more standardized I think incorporating again helps you know us as clinicians understand Patients' underlying disability a little bit more and track it a little bit more consistently, um, especially in things like, for instance, you know, whole brain fraction, you know, atrophy type measures. And patients coming in worried about their cognition that can be sometimes a difficult thing for us to measure and quantify, especially in an MS population where we're kind of focused on physical disability. I think that the quantitative MRI measures kind of help, kind of capture some of these things that we can't always measure quite as well. And again, our standard reporting of just looking at do they have a new lesion, is there an enhancing lesion, sometimes doesn't always cut the fact that there are underlying issues or there is progression, which the quantitative MRI can do a little bit more. So I would say that our study kind of seeing the correlations there with the patient-reported outcomes with um, you know, physical disability and the quantitative MRI really just adds to the importance of us trying to incorporate that more. I would say that incorporating patient reported outcomes is a more realistic, easier thing to um, integrate right now across the board for clinicians Quantitative MRI is something that we need to start incorporating, um, but is dependent on kind of standardizing sort of how we do that analysis, what we're reporting out, And then ultimately, as we kind of discuss the limitation, the study that we report about is just cross-sectional. And so it shows these correlations, but one of the most meaningful things is going to be looking at patients longitudinally and understanding which of these measures kind of help what of the changes that are most important for predicting and following patients long term because in clinical practice when we're looking at you know the patient reported outcomes i think seeing changes in those measures may trigger you know symptomatic changes in medications or therapy referrals things like that but we're not quite sure what to do with some of these you know quantitative mri changes you know when or even the patient reported outcomes when would that dictate maybe a change in a disease-modifying therapy. I would say that that, we're not there yet, so we need to understand longitudinal change in these measures better, but it does speak to the point of they are of importance and we need to start collecting them more consistently on patients. Mm
0: -hmm, Absolutely. Now let's talk more about the technology aspect of your study, since medicine in general is moving toward incorporating more technology and evolving technology how is the use of technology influencing how MS specifically is diagnosed and managed?
1: Yeah, I think that, I mean, obviously one of the most fundamental advances is just integration of MRI and how much we use that. And so that has completely changed how we diagnose and manage our patients. I would say that most neurologists treating MS, say they rely heavily on MRI findings to diagnose their patients, obviously based on our diagnostic criteria, which heavily weighs that is important, and also our general management. And so MRI is hugely important, and then obviously from a monitoring standpoint, that's important. What we found here, and I kind of talked about it briefly at the beginning, is that technology really allows us to more consistently and structured way to um, monitor our patients. And so, as I said, you know, we do a neurologic exam, which is hugely important for monitoring our patients, but there's not a lot of discrete outcomes that we can compare. And then obviously, depending on the clinician, the exam may change a little bit on what they, they measure, how they grade things. And so technology really helps us standardize those kind of examinations, especially of kind of you know, the general swath of things when we could, you know, vision here, cognition, physical functioning. Now, the tests we do are obviously not completely comprehensive, um, but they at least get on several domains and again, standardize things a little bit more. And so I think the standardization that technology allows is very um, helpful, again, for monitoring patients and then comparing. And then the other thing is that it helps do things consistently. So, as I said, you know, one of the limitations of doing, you know, an MSFC in clinical practice was that you needed someone to administer those tests. What we've developed here allows patient administration. And so, because you don't need, you know, a medical assistant or a clinician, you know, doing a nine-hole, sitting there, doing a nine-hole peg test, timing a time 25-foot walk, we capture this data more consistently. So, I think that technology really allows us to monitor patients on a regular basis with discrete kind of outcomes that are comparable and we can also measure more things than we would if we had to sit and kind of directly administer different tests the other thing is you know obviously this study is all about testing that we do in the office But technology has the potential, and there's many things being developed to do more monitoring of patients at home. So I think we'll all agree that little snapshot visits that we have, you know, every three, six, 12 months of our MS patients, give us, you know, a big picture view of how patients are doing, but we don't have an understanding of how patients fluctuate throughout their days, the ebbs and flow of the disease, also. Sometimes you know you get surprises if you don't see a patient for six months, they come in, oh my gosh, they're suddenly using a cane to walk. What happened over the last six months? Whereas technology has the potential to let us monitor more regularly and get feedback on patients so that we can ideally intervene earlier or bring people in or kind of understand that progression and catch things sooner as opposed to just waiting for those intermittent office visits. So. I think technology definitely is kind of playing a role in how we diagnose and manage our patients as the potential to really help us more closely monitor our patients and um, more comprehensively manage them.
0: Great. So what is the key clinical take-home message?
1: I would say uh, the the biggest take-home is that there is value in comprehensively managing your patients and assessing them because you know patient's disease especially in ms because it can affect a whole host of function can vary so much from patient to patient and so not just focusing on walking or hand dexterity which are things that we commonly focus in but really trying to capture things like cognition and vision and then overall quality of life is very meaningful into understanding how a disease is affecting patients and so a comprehensive assessment is, in, is important and then secondarily integrating technology is very helpful in doing this consistently and then standardizing it. Um, So making it easier for both the clinicians and the patients to do on a regular basis to better understand the disease.
0: Great, thank you again so much for speaking with me today and answering my questions.
1: Uh, I really appreciate it, it was great to talk with you today.